The biggest thing that I am attached to, thanks to travel, is the present moment because that is where you experience so much richness. What is the effect or the impact on you of entering into that space? We've called it here in this podcast so far, the unknown. But what is the, can can you identify what is the impact of doing that? Why is it something that we might advocate for other people? It's stepping out of your comfort zone. It's trusting your instincts that you've never had to, I guess, trust before. You know, really believing in yourself, finding some bravery as well, going up to people that of a, a completely different culture. You don't speak their language, but you try and you just, you're brave and you just go and communicate with them. What do you mean by you meet yourself? What I mean is, you know, you go through your everyday life at home, you've got your job, your school, whatever and your, your everyday life, but when you put yourself in a situation that is completely out of your comfort zone, you think you know how you're going to be, but until you're in that moment, you don't really know, and I find that you just meet yourself on a whole new level. Am I able to do this with great love? It's a question I ask myself. Can I do this with great love? And if I can't, how am I going to shift myself out of I have to, I should, that obligatory feeling into I actually would absolutely love to do it? And parenting has really helped me in that, in that where sometimes you don't feel like playing a game, but how can I shift my energy into loving to do it? Hey, you've just joined a journey with Bernie. Greetings, my dear friends, and thank you so much for joining me and today's wonderful guest. My name is Bernie Kelly, and I'm your very enthusiastic show host. Why? Because I woke up this morning, and I don't know about you, but I'm still breathing. I've been expressing my joy for life as a corporate leadership and team building coach for 30 years now. But I've also loved working in the schools, guiding students and our young ones, just to open up their eyes to see more, to do more, to be more. I'm an explorer who wants to take you and them to the summit of Kilimanjaro. Hey, how about the base of Mount Everest? or the intrigue of the Peruvian Machu Picchu, or that epic spiritual adventure across northern Spain, the Camino. Yes, I'm a lover of nature, and I am a consumer of life, and that's why this podcast exists. You see, it's a simple exploration of what you and I need to do to find greater love for self, to inspire our own sustainable inner happiness, to discover greater meaning in our humble lives. Of course, I don't have the answers, but that's why each week you and I will explore the life purpose and the perspectives and paradigms of our wonderful podcast guests who will share with us their strategies, their thoughts, their actions that just might bring greater meaning to our lives. Hey, 
We're all on this journey, folks. So today, let's together put on our hat of curiosity and explore life's possibilities. And let's do it together on this episode of A Journey with Bernie. Well, dear people, welcome to yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie. Do you think I'm excited? I wish you could see what I see right now. We are not at the podcast, boss. And by the way, big thanks to Gilberto and his wonderful operation in getting us through these early episodes. You were just fantastic, mate, and I so appreciate all of your contributions. But for now, we had to form our own studio just to be able to accommodate uh, the, the needs of the podcast and the dedication and the commitment that we have to bring this to you on a weekly basis. On that note, if you're a newbie, welcome. I'm glad the word is out and you've decided to join us here. I do hope you enjoy today's episode and looking at our two guests here, Taylor Pierce. Greetings to you, young man. Thank you. Happy to be here. And Jasmine Weston, long time no see. It is. I'm excited (laughs) to be here too. I'll let you know about our two guests very, very shortly. But do enjoy today's podcast if you're a, a, a new listener to the podcast. I'm so grateful for your patronage. Thank you ever so much. Taylor Pierce and Jasmine Weston, you've just heard on the microphone here or through the recording. Now, Taylor, I first met when he was a student at John Paul College. So I want you to imagine that my global immersion travel manager and podcast studio boss, I first met when he was at school many, many years ago. Mate, take me back there. How many years ago was it? That was uh, 12 years ago, Danny. (laughs) And tell me, in that 12 years, what's been our connection, just to inform our listeners? Oh, uh, leaving school. um, First thing I did after leaving school, travel with global immersion to Africa. And what was Africa all about for you? Ah, oh, just, you know, not doing the traditional schoolies and really having a, a worldly adventure, I think, um, and really shaping my life in that first few months. Mate, you climbed Kilimanjaro. I climbed Kilimanjaro. The world's highest freestanding mountain <laughs> yeah, you do feature. I really should have led with that one, I think. But yes, I did uh, I did make it to the very, very top of Kilimanjaro at 17. So. And what age were 17, mate. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. what so, an experience that was. Yeah, very exciting. And Jasmine Weston, we just worked out before. We go back 16 years ago. Where did we first meet? We met at a Rotary conference, actually. I was a participant and Bernie came and did a presentation. And ever since then... I just signed up to go to Africa as well straight away after that. How many times have you been to Africa with GI? Three times. Sometimes as a leader? Yeah, the last two. So first time I went back in 2009 as a participant, loved it, and then went back two more times as a leader. But not only Africa, you've also done South America, you've also done Nepal, India. When you went to Nepal, what did you do? Did you do Everspace Camp? We did Base Camp. Camp, Gokyo Lakes. Yes. Which one? Our Base Camp. Base Camp. Wow, terrific experiences. So you can see that today, folks, I've actually got two guests. They have something in common. The three of us have something in common. That is is we've all climbed a Kilimanjaro or we've all been to Everest Base Camp. We've been to what might be called developing countries. And so today's focus can't be just about exploring the benefits of travel. It's got to be much more than that. Today's 
podcast is understanding what actually happens when we throw ourselves into the unknown. Now, there's a phrase for you. What happens to our human condition when at such a young and tender age you enter into the unknown? What does that teach you about yourself that you can actually take with you for the rest of your life? But it's more than that. What about the power of adventure? Imagine a Taylor Pierce, 17 years of age, standing on the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro, highest freestanding mountain in the world. Like, what, what did that adventure do for the rest of his life? And what about the cultural interaction, Jazz? For example, take us through, who did you meet in Africa all those years ago? I just met the most beautiful people, you see, and... You see so many you see so many things on documentaries, but when you meet people in the flesh, face to face, you just feel their energy, and it's it's just a, such a beautiful experience. You meet yourself for the first time in that environment, as well as meeting these amazing people. I think we're getting already into the podcast here. When you say meet yourself. What do you, what do you mean you meet yourself? You can meet yourself here in Australia, let alone go to Moshi or Arusha with the, you know, the kids from Mandela Primary School. What do you mean by you meet yourself? What I mean is, you know, you go through your everyday life at home. You've got your job, your school, whatever, and your, your everyday life. But when you put yourself in a situation that is completely out of your comfort zone, you think you know how you're going to be. But until you're in that moment, you don't really know. And I find that you just meet yourself on a whole new level. So now now, now I get it. You, you're, you're saying by entering into these foreign experiences, these brand new adventures or encounters, one can only discover more about your bigger self, your truer self, your better self. Taylor, I used the phrase before, entering into the unknown. Is it, is it fair to say that when you went to Africa as a 17-year-old, straight out of John Paul College, was that one of your first entries into a big unknown? And if so, what was the benefit of doing that? It, it wasn't. It wasn't my very first. Um, I actually travelled to Korea by myself when I was eleven years old. Um, I, my parents didn't just ship me off on a plane. I was doing a, an exchange program. But I think the cultural shock of of um, you know landing in Nairobi for that first night and then transiting through there and just that was yeah that was unbelievable. Can you elaborate on what is the effect or the impact on you of entering into that space? We've called it here in this podcast so far, the unknown. But what is the, can, can you identify what is the impact of doing that? Why is it something that we might advocate for other people? It's, it's stepping out of your comfort zone. It's, Trusting your instincts that you've never had to, I guess, trust before. Um, you know, really believing in yourself, finding some bravery as well. Going up to people that of a, a completely different culture. You don't speak their language, but you try and you just, you're brave and you just go and communicate with them. And, and that, I think, is the first step in 
in really immersing yourself in a culture is just breaking down those walls that you know we're we're used to having up every single day in human interaction in in your own country. Jazz, I'm sort of like feeling as if we're going back to what you were saying before because I'm hearing what Taylor's saying there that you you learn so much about yourself. He spoke about an experience with courage and and bravery, how there was an extension of that quality. Could you elaborate on that for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when you go to these places, your blinkers are off, your senses are absolutely turned on because you're you you just everything feels new and and different and when you go through your everyday life you're just kind of going through the motions a lot more so when you're confronted with all of this new information in your body in your system you're you're calling on different resources that you actually don't use in your everyday life and you didn't then you know that they must have been there but they get really called on in those moments and you know, the types of experiences that we did, particularly with um, the treks to, to Kilimanjaro and to base camp, you have to draw on something that you that I've never had to draw on before in, in my, I was 24 when I first went to Africa in the first 24 years of my life. And you, I just, I, for me, it was um, persistence. So Obviously, there was courage and bravery required in that, but to really set my mind to something and to keep going when I didn't want to keep going yeah. was a massive thing. And it flo- that changed how I saw myself in meeting a struggle or meeting resistance because I knew that if I can, I'll always be like, I can remember that last night on Kilimanjaro when, yeah. you're, when you're ready to go for the summit and you do not want to put one foot in front of the other everything in your being is not wanting you to but there is that except that tiny there's something tiny in there that just keeps you going and knowing it and putting it into practice in such a very real environment meant that when I came back I have that that's a memory that's stored in me forever and it keeps Mm. me moving Mm. on so many things like I always I refer back to that a lot I find it fascinating so I've got a keen ear here for what you're saying, right? And I find it fascinating that very early on you just said that you, you felt it was always there. It was like the mundane living life back at home territory. You don't ha- there's nothing to force it out of you. And yet you're saying that these experiences brought out what was already there. So it, it's it's almost as if we're saying to our listeners, who knows what your potential is? Who knows what your life is is capable of, what it already is? But until you put it to the test through these experiences only that is going to bring it to the surface so that you can actually be it. Yes. How did I go with that, Jazz? You you nailed it. (laughs) Absolutely nailed it. I think, like I said, I mean, it is there. We do have, I I know it was in there because it came out of me in that moment when I needed it the most and... I guess we I've never had the opportunity I guess to to need to use it to that degree and that's why I love that type of when you have those experiential type learning where you're met with something that you're not met with in everyday 
life and then you do get to meet yourself in that moment and really you get to make a choice. Am I going to keep pushing through? And something about that choice, um, the first time I actually went to Africa, I did not summit. And that was actually what I needed at the time. At the time, I didn't realize that. Um, I was really disappointed in myself for not sort of pushing through. Um, and subsequently, like Bernie mentioned, I've been back two more times and I summited both times. But having that first experience and met myself where I did give up um, on reflection <laughs> too early to to make the peak, but I learned something about myself. And, you know, in as I've grown older, when we meet those challenges, even if we don't meet them in the way that we would love to, it's about just acknowledging that sometimes we make choices in that moment that felt right for us and just allowing that to be and not make it mean there's something wrong with you or that you did it wrong or live in that regret. It's very much that taught me a lot about just at that time, that's what I felt was the right thing to do. You see, I'm again listening very, very carefully. You've spoken about how you've learned resilience. You learned about the saying of no on that first Kilimanjaro attempt. And, and even that experience taught you so much that transferred into another quality later on. So comment, please, about, for example, how is resilience of doing a Kilimanjaro, an Everest base camp, a Salkantai trek to Machu Picchu, a Spanish Camino, how does the resilience of that transfer, have you found that it transferred into your life? Absolutely. Give us some practical life examples. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think the big thing is I realize that I'm, you know, at the first time I did it, I was honestly scared. I felt I felt the fear of it was painful, it was cold, and I just wanted to give up. So there was a lot of mind chatter that said, just it's okay. Like Say I'm, that again, please. <laughs> the mind you, chatter. What does mind chatter mean? It's for me, it's that voice in in my head that I kind. I guess it's in one way, it's telling me some little lies about who I am and what I'm capable of. So things that I can't do it. We've all heard. I'm sure we've all had these voices where, yeah, I'm not good enough. It's it. It's too hard. It doesn't matter anyway, and you start making all the excuses, and that starts going on. And then the thing is, you latch onto them and start believing them, and. May I suggest that the mind chat is probably different when you go back again because you've now got the experience of how you allowed fear and the anxiety of the first time to somehow build and take on a substance in itself. And it held you back the first time because probably the truth is you were always capable and the second and the third time proved it. Absolutely. How did I go there? Nailed it. You sure? Yeah, you sure? <laughs> Absolutely. I think like if I was to, yeah, exactly yeah. that. If for me to put the biggest difference between the first time and the second time, I did the same amount of training. Uh, there was a, like a lot of that stuff that you normally put into it at the start was the same, but the big difference was my mind around what I wow. believed I was capable of and allowed myself to experience and be capable of and how much I was able to acknowledge that while those voices were there, they're not as loud and I don't have to believe them. See, even in those tender years, what you're saying is the narrative in the back of the head, most of it's self-invented, 
or self-interpreted, let's say, is yes. probably a better, better, better phrase. The narrative in the back of your head can already determine what of your capability, potential, I don't know quite what the word is, your real self actually is allowed to service, even back then in your tender years. Yeah, absolutely. And I bring, and this is the beautiful thing for me about travel is while it's just such a short space in your life, the lessons that you learn, they're ingrained in you forever. But what's fascinating is you say it's a short space in your life, but I know a lot of people that once they experience these benefits, it's no longer a short space because all they do is just desire the next experience. And, of course, they discover that travel doesn't have to be in Africa or in Nepal. It can be, I'm making it up now, the... Um, the Great Ocean Trek in Victoria. It could be a skip across the Tasman to, to New Zealand. It could be you know, a weekend at Lamington National Park here in southeast Queensland. It doesn't have to be all of those big three-week, four-week adventures. No, yeah. and, you know, even down to the minute moment can be an experience Love where that. you can meet yourself. And Love it's that. just bringing awareness. And I think the reason travel was so impactful at, at that young age for me was my it opened my senses. Um, but now, again, it's something that, like you say, you can bring it wherever you go. Mm. And it's just with that view of having that perspective of, you know, I'm going to take in and, and look at it with this curiosity and open-mindedness that there is something beautiful in every moment, even the mundane. Let, let's drill down to a little bit of the truths that you may have discovered. Um, you've got to remember this podcast is all about finding greater love for self, greater happiness within and greater meaning in our lives. And I think you're giving us some terrific insights into how travel, adventure, stepping outside a comfort zone, again, we need to reiterate, it doesn't have to be going to another country, yeah. can do that. But let's drill down to, um, for example, the meeting of those beautiful people in Africa or Nepal. Let's just think about who they are. The Sherpa of Nepal, the Kikuyu and the Luo of the tribal people of Africa. What about our mountain guides, you know, the Bobbies and those wonderful people who look after us? What did you learn from people supposedly from developing countries mm. that, that taught you a truth that here we are in wonderful Western world Australia um, and they teach me so much about life. What do they teach you? Uh, for me, it, this, this actually is probably, I would say, the most powerful thing that I've ever learnt on any trek, and I had the privilege to learn it at the tender age of 17, and that was how easy it is to f actually be truly happy and how little you actually need to get it. But you've got to tell us the how now. Like you've told me the outcome. Yeah. You said you, you arrived at a happiness. It's but just, how did it arrive? Well, for me, you, you arrive in this country and in this community where, you know, they don't have running water in some areas. They don't know if they're going to have dinner that night. 
but the smiles on everyone's faces because they have each other. They have this family unit, this community. As long as they have each other and they've got... Wow. You know, and they've got that sense of community, everyone was happy. And that you never saw anyone without a smile on their face if you were meeting them. And the generosity, you know, they were going to give you food that they didn't even have, you know? And you're like, no, 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 please. But the hospitality and the just genuine human kindness that was shown was, yeah, life-changing. Absolutely life-changing for me. Jazz, add some value to what Taylor is saying. Yeah, absolutely. I felt the same thing as well. For me, what I saw in these people, the the way that they live was very simply. And I think in the West, we can sometimes equal that, make that mean that we don't have enough, where they were really enriched in our family and our community are enough and are everything. And you could see that through just the way they would celebrate us for a meal. It was a fanfare and it was so fun. Everyone was dancing. They just enjoyed what they did have instead of, I mean, I'm making some assumptions here, but it looked from the outside looking in. They absolutely were so appreciative of what they had. They were happy to share it. They wanted to share it. And they weren't worried about whether it looked the right way or they didn't have any of that stuff that we can sometimes have. And it just, it was just such a pure experience in, from the receiver, from someone going there and just, just being, I just felt their hearts were so open and they really just wanted to give to us and have the most beautiful experience with us. I think what's interesting there is you say their hearts are open, but now I'm thinking, well, why aren't our hearts open? So try this for a thought. And I don't want Bernie's thoughts to be, the action. I want you to investigate and explore them with me, right? Yes, of what I see over there is their lack of attachment. Now, what do I mean by lack of attachment? They're not attached to what their house looks like. They're not attached to how many beds they have. They're not attached to the colour of their lounge. They're not attached to their iPhones. Mm-hmm. They're, if they're attached to anything, they're attached to their neighbour, I can I always remember this incredible experience that I had and I walk into Kibera, biggest slum in Africa, seven kilometres outside of Nairobi city centre. And I've been there before and I go up to the same individual that I met the previous year and I said, Mama, I said, where's the chook? And and she immediately knew that I was talking about her little baby because that's what I call the baby, the chook, right? And Mama goes, I, I do not know. Where the, where the chook is. <laughs> and I said, are you worried? Shall we go looking? And she said, oh no, someone look after my baby, you know? And, and she just knew that the community, the attachment to people was the biggest thing going in their life and, and, and the safest and the most protective thing available in their lives. Did you have that experience? Does the, does the concept of non-attachment to things, that, did you see that over there in those people? Yeah, Jazz? I think we attach so much meaning to those things. We're brought up with we need this, we need that, otherwise we're, we're not good enough. And it's just sort of drilled into us and from all different spaces. And when you go there, 
I think their value system, and I just through the pure, I guess, necessity of it, they, their support structure comes from each other, where we, I think, are sort of programmed to think our support comes from things outside of ourselves that are going to make us happy. Wow. Taylor, one of my pet phrases, respond to it is, I'd love to write an essay called The Benefits of Poverty. Yeah. Um, and 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 please don't misconstrue that if you if you're listening to this, I'm not advocating poverty, but there was a good book that said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit," um, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's not meant to be a religious lesson, you know, but it's just a a a, a, a quote. Right? But I think you get what I, I'm saying here. Could you comment, please, on? What did you see the benefits of poverty being the benefits of non-attachment to things? For here, like in, in Australia, you know, it's it's just you have kids, the kids go to primary school, the kids go to high school, it's normal. For them to have a community raise a community of children and have them children educated is just the pinnacle for them. Like that's 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 it. They've made it, you know. Um, and these are the things we take for granted. Did you guys notice, both in Nepal and Africa, how a primary school child or a secondary school will get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to do their homework and read their books mm. and do their study because it's actually the first light that they actually have to honour whatever was the work given to them from school the previous day. but And they would do that not as a sense of duty. They would do that because they wanted to do it. Absolutely. It, it, given that half the people that are taken over there have been students, it blew their minds to see this thirst and love of education. Mm. Yeah. Jazz, did you notice yeah, that, I, see I, that? Absolutely. And I think the, the thing that stood out for me when you were talking and it's something that I've taken into my life now is when you do things with great love, it feels different and you it comes from a different place. So you could see that they genuinely love to learn and they absolutely did it from a place of pure um, joy, curiosity and love. And I think sometimes we get into, I, I did, got, got into the trap of doing things a bit more out of obligation and shoulds. Mm. So I'm going to put you to the test, you two. <laughs> All right, here we go. And, yeah. and, and, and Tali, you don't have to come up with your complete answers first okay. and then Jazz second. We can, we can alternate. All right, no so let's try to make a little bit of a summary. We've spoken about attachments. We, we learnt through travel, stepping outside a comfort zone, this cultural intervention, we, we saw in the developing countries people non-attached to things where we might say or we might perceive that maybe in our Western society we could be attached to, to many things that in a way we now sense could be unimportant. So my question's a simple one. As a result of your extensive travel experiences, what are you less attached to? What are you more attached to? And you're quite happy to say it's a direct response 
to those travel experiences. Jazz, you got a smile on your face which says you've got an answer. Go for it. Go for it. The biggest thing that I am attached to, thanks to travel, is the present moment because that is where you experience so much richness. And I think before I was so focused on my future, particularly going at that age as well, you you think, you know, following these steps are going to get, you know, follow ABC and I'll, I'll get my outcome. And you get attached to that outcome. And But when you're traveling, you do need to be in the moment because there's things that you're not used to seeing. And when you're in there, there's something really beautiful about meeting that moment. And I know that's very cliche to focus on the present moment, but for me, all that meant was just focusing on the thing in front of me. And it was the same when we were trekking one foot in front of the other. That took on a whole new meaning when I was climbing to Everest Base Camp. I remember thinking to myself, we've all heard that saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, one foot in front of the other? But when you are on that trek, 13 days of trekking, it literally took that to a whole new visceral experience in my body, just literally <laughs> one step in front of the other. I don't know how many we had to take. I want you to bring it back. I Hearing very carefully, yep. I love the fact that you said it's a bit of a cliched phrase, living yes. in the present moment, <laughs> yeah. right? But you, you said that, for example, the Kilimanjaro, the Everest Space Camp, the whole travel experiences teaches you to embrace the moment. How do you do that today in Australia, in your daily life? What does that look like? And you can say that I learned to do that as a result of those experiences. What does living in the present moment look like today? So for me, the first part was actually I had to have a clear vision. So when you're on Kilimanjaro or you're on Everest Base Camp, I knew where that end result was. I knew it was to get to that point. So that was kind of taken care of. So now in my practice, I think about and I spend some energy focused on And for me, I'm a big feeling person. So I'm like, how do I want to feel at the end of my life? What are those big things? And what is it? And for me, it's, it's, it's love. It's mean, it's purpose, you know, love and purpose. No, we don't know. Elaborate. (laughs) No, no, we don't know. Elaborate. Well, for me, I, yeah, big love and, um, joy and connection and living on purpose. So you're saying, you're saying your purpose is to be, Love, joy, expressed through connection. I think that's what I just heard. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's pretty much it. I think I need to borrow that for my whiteboard. <laughs> mm-hmm. But can I, I'm going to make a, a comment here. You looked as though you were hesitant to say that. Hmm. Is that yes, no? I, I guess I didn't know. I, I mean, that's a good reflection for me. I didn't notice it in myself, but... I think well, maybe you maybe, <laughs> Or the other thing is, I think I think everybody strives for those things. I'm not sure. That could be an assumption that I'm making. I think, I mean, th- to me, love is the greatest, you know. But and I, I guess I just assume that's for everybody, but it might not be. So now I hear you saying that out of these experiences, defined by the pathway of your purpose. Love is all there is, the rest is window dressing, says Jasmine. That the living in the moment is each day, whatever you are doing, are you you manufacturing, are you manifesting love in how you do it? Are you, in fact, actually bringing more joy to the interaction 
that you have with people leaving this podcast, that you're aware of being that in the moment every day, every Uh, moment, every every hour? Yes. So for me, yes, setting that big vision first and then meeting each moment. So when I remember (laughs) to come back to the moment, so there's – you know, we you do you know your mind would go crazy if you had to think of everything, but there are moments you can come back to that do bring you back. And something I talk about a lot within myself is the energy behind what you're doing. You can do the same action. You can go to the gym because one way you could do it because you're punishing yourself because you need to work out. You want to lose weight and all the things, or you can do it because you love your body so much that you want to wow. give it what it needs. The behavior looks the same. But it's the energy, the, the the way that you do it. Another word there is intention. The Absolutely. intent behind yes. it is is different. But I love what you said. The actual behaviour to other people yes, looks, looks exactly the same. The same. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. for me, I always check in with, am I able to do this with great love? It's a question I ask myself. Can I do this with great love? And if I can't, how am I going to shift myself out of I have to, I should, that obligatory feeling? into I actually would absolutely love to do it and parenting has really helped me in that Mm. in that where sometimes you don't feel like playing a game Mm. but how can I shift my energy into loving to do it and it requires me to really tune into what I'm thinking in that moment and making a choice do I want to think that or can I think something different and once you tell that different story in your mind it definitely feels different in your body and you're able to move differently wow wow you, you did mention I enjoyed the fact that you did, that sometimes you just got to remind yourself not only that is my purpose, but it, my purpose is to live my purpose in the moment. And sometimes you lose track of that, hey, welcome to humanity. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Taylor, let's go back to the question. The question is, as a result of all these travel experiences, what are you less attached to that you might have been and what are you maybe more attached to as a result of yep. Africa, Nepal, Korea, all those wonderful experiences in your life? We might not... I really realized that the tiny little things, tiny, tiny little things in my life were giving me anxiety or stress or worry and things like that. Um, and it could be even down to simplest things like, oh, my iPhone's got 15% battery. And it, it, it does, without even you realizing it, give this little pulse of stress or anxiety. Mm. And having you know come back from Africa, I did actually, I struggled with, I guess, first world problems. And then I realized that I was so attached to this anxiety that I lived every single day in, in these tiny little things, you know, you wake up, oh, we don't have milk for, for cereal. And then that could ruin your day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it really, for some people, it could take their day from a 10 to a zero. And so shifting the focus from those, I guess, and I hate saying this, but really like first world problems is what is what it's labeled as and putting the perspective of, you know, and, and just remembering what, who you've been around and who you've seen yeah. and the culture and the community and the, and the real love without these first world problems, you know, like, you know, that family this morning in, in Tanzania that I met, you know, now 12 years ago, they might not have milk this morning. Do you think they're falling to pieces? 
You know? No, and that's and that's what's really shifted my views. And so, yeah, it's my attachment to my everyday anxieties have gone. Wow, love it, love it, love, love it. Hey, Jazz, talk about anxiety. If I remember correctly, you had a huge anxiety during one of the Africa trips. I can't remember the year. You may be able to enlighten me. But it was a year of a Brisbane flood. And I would love for our listeners to understand what you were experiencing while you were leading one of these trips. Yes. Climbing a Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Tell the story. Yeah. So in 2011, if you're a Brisbaneite, you will remember that well. Um, I was leading a trip that was, we were figuring out, I think there was 40 plus people on this trip. And we had just found out from home the night before we were leaving for Kilimanjaro that there was big floods coming through Brisbane. And I lived in a floodplain. And, um, <laughs> So we, and we, we weren't, we were just about to go for no news for five days. Um, but I know I had a job to do and to get these people to the summit on that night. And, um, and this is work I said, where you meet yourself in situations that you wouldn't normally. So I think if I had been at home, it would have been a very different scenario. But in this situation, I had a job to do and it was more important to me at that point than, um, than, than what was going on at home. I And having, I think, even the build-up, we'd just been in the community. We'd had a homestay. The to- house I was in did not have a toilet, a running toilet. We were peeing in a bucket. So I just had that experience. <laughs> and then we were just about to go. And it just really shifted what home meant to me. And, you know, with the threat of our house getting flooded, we didn't know what was going to happen. So talk about the unknown. We didn't really know. So part of it was calming myself down and going, wait till we get the information, focusing on the job at hand. And then we, we, we just, we went. And then for somehow we managed to get some communication on night three, I think. Taylor, you were there as well. Yeah, on night three, I, I think it was, <laughs> where we were, we found out our house had been inundated and we'd lost everything. And, um, it did hit me in that moment. It was it was quite confronting. Um, I I actually I just I I honestly remember just thinking, okay, thank you for that piece of information. I was more in a bit of a robot mode. I think at that time I didn't allow myself to feel what it was. But again, it was having my eyes open to the, what home really meant, knowing I had a bigger job to do, and that things are replaceable and it was it also became interestingly when I came home and was able to kind after I'd gone through the initial shock of it all I was able to come home and see the opportunity in it you know I loved rebuilding my home because I could do it the way I wanted to and it looked amazing at the end and you know to be able to choose that rather than and something that I have found amazing is shifting out of that victim mentality where things happen to you and things feel unfair and shifting into looking at, well, what, what's the beautiful gem in this and how can I focus on, on that and take a more empowered perspective on, on what it is. Um, I'm I'm hearing a few things here. They're, They're fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. You're, you're, you're saying that even in the adversity, somehow the experience of that adversity all the way over there in Africa, albeit the adversity is happening to your home, 
there was a, a recognition of, like, it is what it is. You couldn't, you didn't feel you could do too much about it, although I probably would imagine you engaged family. Well, that was the actual other beautiful thing, that my family just stepped in. I had friends, family. That By the time we got home, our house was completely gutted, cleaned out, and we had just the most amazing support. And I knew I had a good family and good friend network, but when it's, again, when you're in those moments where people had to step up, they really did, and that meant a, a more to me. That meant so much to me, actually. Are you saying it meant more to you than the house being flooded? That is, the way yeah, that the, the stuff- family rallied around you actually became more meaningful to you than the things you possess. Yes, and the things that we lost. Like I gained so much, I guess, strength and just comfort. And we talk about, you know, going somewhere and feeling safe, knowing that they had my back while I was over the other side of the world and they just got in and got the job done. It actually gave me just a whole nother perspective on how much people can rally together and how supported I felt. And when you do feel that support and that safety, you can just let go a lot more and you don't need to control things. You don't feel like you need to control things as much. Mm. So that was, it was actually a a beautiful gift, but I I also don't want to downplay anyone's experience of stuff because the other thing I've learned, if it isn't having 50 plus kids on a trip is that everybody has their own experiences of the exact, like we're all looking at the same thing and every single person sees it so differently. And I think it's beautiful. And making not anyone's experience wrong or, um, and and that comes with a, an acceptance of the more you can accept them, how they've expressed that moment allows you to have more acceptance of yourself. So it really allowed me to see a massive perspective, even on the same experience. It could be, when we go, um, some people love safari and some people were sleeping on the safari trucks. Mm-hmm. And as an animal lover and like the highlight of my trip, I could have made that mean they didn't appreciate and all that sort of thing. But I'm just, a, if you can allow them to have that experience and just let that be them and just focus on what you want, like that sort of stuff also I've brought back home as well that you can have the exact same opportunity and different people take it differently, and it doesn't mean their way is wrong and your way is right. It's just different. I, I, I don't feel as as if you're you're, you're saying this is the right way and or this is the wrong way, but I am feeling that you're suggesting it's fascinating the range of responses, and maybe led or inspired by, in your case, Jazz, your purpose. I'm sure it was seeded even back then that you love being in life to experience everything that life throws at you, including the adverse. And therefore, even in the adversity, you recognised the potential response of it is what it is. I can't do too much except when I return, maximise whatever is the experience. And so you did. You turned it into a more beautiful home. You actually took advantage of the situation to to, to gain value out of it. 
Taylor, please feel free to butt in. I feel as if we're jazzing. No, no, sort no. of like taken over. No, but, no. but but respond to this in either one of you. Yep. More comment around the value of this phrase that's evolved from our discussion. It is what it is versus no, it's not. It's meant to be this expectation. It's meant to be my hope. It should be like this. The flood should never have happened. Uh, What's the power and the value around the it is what it is approach? Living that it is what it is, I mean, that's actually really how I live my life. I'm very... I'm, I'm very relaxed. Nothing generally rattles me. Like, you know, it, I'm very much that it is what it is mentality. And I actually truly believe that that isn't who I always was. Yeah. And I think that I became that through immersing myself in these cultures. Right. And, you know, having that, you know, Tanzania and Kenya experience and the South America through Peru and... I think, you know, the bonus here is is having done Africa, one side of the world, and then going to the completely other side of the world and getting the same experience again. Wow, that's interesting. From a completely different culture, um, but that base yet human values are still there. Wow, fascinating, yeah. fascinating. Let's switch focus for a moment because... Our listeners are aware of Kilimanjaro. You've talked about it. You've talked about Everest Base Camp. You just spoke about safari and the power of animals. So if we put all that in the nature category, um, those natural 13-day treks, adventures, Kilimanjaro, six days. Salkantai trek to Machu Picchu, which I know you've done, Taylor. Yep. About seven or eight days. The Camino, going to be 40 days across northern Spain. Well, I've done that one, folks. That's a, that's a bottler. What is the benefit to you of your experiences with the natural world, the natural adventures? What was the the value to you of having those natural adventure experiences. Jazz, no, you, 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 if, you, if you bounce your head up and down like that, you go, you, you go first. <laughs> For me, nature is an absolute teacher and also a healer. It's... I remember being dwarfed by the Himalayas as we're going through um, the to base camp, and I remember thinking, just one, how beautiful it was. So for me, being in that state of awe is a state that it's also something that I I love getting into. So it just absolutely awed and wowed me. So it put me, it made me turn on my senses, all of them. Like I wanted to see everything, and I wanted to hear everything and feel everything. So talk about being in the present moment, like really drawing on those senses, being in that environment allowed me to just wanting to amplify everything, which, and again, it quietens the mind chatter when you do that, or it can amplify it, which can give you some awareness, which is beautiful as well. So being in those environments where you just awed and wowed and was really powerful for me. Yes, one for the present moment, but the other is how nature just keeps going 
and regenerating without force and without it just it has this innate intelligence that it just things just are there and they happen and they work in this beautiful relationship and I think we can learn it just made me realize we can learn so much from nature and apply it to ourselves so I I just mark I find I'm so much in awe and I marvel at it and then I want to I'm like I want that to be how I feel about my life as well so just even being in that space I just it helps me lose the need to control how things go and I know I'm kind of bringing it back to the point it is as it is to meet that moment and allow it to be exactly how it's presented like it does like nature does if there's a wind it just the trees just flow it it just goes with it and nature teaches that when you're in it and immersed in it and your senses are on just completely on Mm, mm. Tali you got your comment about your natural experience um we were on the Salkante track, and I think once you're doing a track for, I think, the first one or two days, it is, it, as Jazz was saying before, it's one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and I think we are so programmed to look down all the time, and we look at our feet when we track. And I started forcing myself to get in the habit of not looking down and looking at where I was every step I took. Where am I? Wow, where am I? And then I started really focusing on the small little details of what was around me. Mm. And it was almost like a (laughs) hyper-awareness of what was around me. And I noticed... I'm I'm a lover of shiny things and lights. Like, anything distracts me. And I looked down and my boots were dusty... And I then removed some dust and I didn't realize that where we were in the Andes was full of mica, the mica powder. So underneath this layer of dust, I hadn't even realized for like two days was this thick layer of silver. Wow. And I was just like, this just comes from the dirt. Like I've just been walking and this beautiful element of silver has been attached to me for two days and I had no idea. Mm. And it was just, it was Purely beautiful. Like, you just look down and you think it's dirt, but it's not. It's so much more than that. And wow. I loved that. I love that. Again, I, I, I love listening to your stories, both of you, both of your stories. And, and, and here's, here's a thought. The, the walking and looking down at our shoes <laughs> yeah. or making sure you don't trip over you know, some fallen rocks that are on the path or a tree root that's exposed almost creates a meditative experience because your focus is so narrow to the next step that you don't leave any space for thoughts to clutter your mind. And then once you do that for an hour or two, and then you look up and you described it as the awe of what, five, 8,000 metre peaks in the Himalayas, around about 12, 7,000 metre peaks, about 25, 6,000 metre peaks, reminder that Kosciuszko's 2,000 metres. And, and that awe also has a, an, an experience of imploding 
silence and, and, and a peace upon you. But you're ready to receive it because you're already in a meditative space. And that whole, Jazz, could you comment, that whole experience, just comment on it, will you? <laughs> oh, I'm just basking in that when you took me back there. That was beautiful because it is exactly that. I think we talked about when you, it's just, it again, coming back to that moment where everything, you just, it amplifies and I didn't put the two together that it was because yeah. you're in that meditative state, but that makes so much sense to me. And it, I think you're in that open space because you've got a bit of silence, your mind's quiet, and you're just hearing the nature sounds and they do put you in. I don't know what happens to your brainwaves. I'm sure there's some science around it, but it, when you do look up, it's this big, it's like a lightning bolt. It's so amplified, which is just, I think that's what makes it so po- – it's very potent. And, and you use the word potent, but for me, and I want your comments yeah. on this, um, for me, I think they're some of my most loving moments. Now, let me elaborate on that. They're moments in which I just feel so much at ease, comfort with self, love for life, love for living, love for breathing – Love for the moment, Jazz. Oh, I, I literally am there right now. Now that you bring, right. you're taking me back, and that's exactly it. It's a very big softening. Everything in your body just softens, and it just feels comforting, supportive, and warm. Tails. Yeah, it's that's exactly right. You just brought me back to actually such a specific moment for me and Jazz. <laughs> I think actually everyone in this room can agree. The night that you summit Kilimanjaro and that that long hike that you do in, by the way, listeners, <laughs> the dark, because <laughs> you summit at night, um, it, it, you mentioned a meditative state. And I think that's what we enter when we're doing that, where it's this one foot in front of the other with our headlamps on, there's silence, or all you can really hear is other people's footsteps and your own body, really. That's all you can hear. And there was a moment that pulled me out of that meditative state, and I looked up, probably halfway up to Gilliman's point at this point, looked up, and I saw stars. And I saw the twinkling stars in, you know, the African sky. And that was a moment that I... <laughs> that I will remember forever and the reason I will remember it is I had a porter with me and I said wow look at those stars up there and he goes oh they're not stars that's where you're going that's headlamps (laughs) (laughs) and I was like oh now I know why we do this at night (laughs) so we can't see where we're going but but no yeah just branching off that that you're right you're bang on we that meditative state we get in is just one foot in front of the other and we connect with the mountain, we connect with nature. It's unbelievable. So, so if, we, if we learn about the power of that state, dare I ask, how often are you finding it in your lives now? Or maybe a question to our listeners if they can relate to what you're saying, how often are you searching for that experience. We don't have to go to Africa. I mean, I live it here at a 
beautiful place called Kangaroo Point and quite frankly walking along the reaches of the Brisbane River past the Kangaroo Point cliffs can be a beautiful natural experience for those that live in Brisbane how blessed are we with the amount of green and 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 parks and trees that are all around us maybe until you get out there and start to walk it do you realize it and recognize it so my question is or is having had that experience and understanding its power how often do you actually seek it daily weekly in your lives if it's that beneficial yeah for me I at the start of the year I always set an intention about what I want the year to be about and for me one of them this year was to meet the moment without the resistance so letting it be and I find to do that I actually have to say it's a deliberate practice to bring myself back to the moment and it's just catching myself when I'm not and I miss a lot of them but the beauty I live on the Gold Coast so I've got I have a similar experience but with the beach And I go there every single, pretty much every day, unless it's raining. And the beach just anchors me back into that because I'm, it's, it's part of my deliberate practice. Get into nature and just receive the beauty of it and notice it. And that has been really powerful and potent for me. So you use the nature of the beach to anchor you. Absolutely. Every day. Yep. Sometimes three times a day. (laughs) Put you in the right state so that you can embrace the challenges and the calling of each day. Yes. Wow. Tyler, any comment? Or are you thinking, oh, my God, I should be doing more no. of it? <laughs> no, like, like, I, I, I do think I, I should be doing more of it. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm unsure if it's a state of mind in, in that I've been in purposefully or it's a state of mind that altered my mind to be where I am permanently. Love it. Mm. Um, I do. I would love to be in that state of mind again, that, that, that meditative state that I was talking about before. But yeah, I do think that, you know, I mentioned before that I'm a very calm person. Like nothing really shakes me that much. Um, you know, I, I don't get overly stressed. And I think that's somewhat a result from that. When you're in that state and you're climbing up Kilimanjaro and you've already made that decision that you're going ahead, you know, you're, you're going to make this summit, um, that state is almost free of fear. It's free of everything. It's just being. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and like I said, I'd, I'd, I'd love to be in that state more, but I think, yeah, I think it, it it's definitely rubbed off on me in a permanent way and shaped who I am in my personality and how I actually live my life. Well, you're about to have another experience. <laughs> yes, I have a chance for a little advert, right? Because we, you and I, with again with a, a lovely group of people, we're off to Everest Base Camp on May the 23rd. I think we're here on April the 26th. This is this particular yeah. um, uh, podcast, May the 23rd. Um, we're going to Everest Space Camp. Yes, we uh, are. But this is not the only experience that GI Travel under your directorship is offering for 2022. Maybe our listeners might be interested in what else is available. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's 
overwhelming to even be talking about the fact that I'm going overseas again and we're all going overseas again. Um, you know, during um, the COVID pandemic, I worked as a travel agent, so I, I saw firsthand, you know, people's adventures being cancelled left, right and centre. So we're really excited to be able to launch our... 2022 and 2023 um, expeditions again. So as Bernie was saying, in May, we're going away to Everest Base Camp, uh, which follows us to September, Everest Base Camp again on the 5th of September and the 25th of September. I might comment about the 25th because for the first time ever, we got a group of people, there's about 20 already booked, Taylor, and we're taking on... The Kumbu region, the Himalayas, I think it's their highest trekkable peak. Mm. Mount Mera, wow, 6,400 metres. But, folks, you have to have been to Everest Base Camp or done a Kilimanjaro. I just need okay. you to be comfortable with the whole altitude impacts yep, to be able to take on Mera Peak. It's definitely a thing. Annapurna Base Camp, when are we doing that one? Uh, that's late December as well. Also, Africa. Africa is in Kilimanjaro, Tanzania. If I remember, I think it's about December 27, 28. 28th, I believe, at this point, yep. Annapurna Base Camp, your dude feature, is actually December the 2nd. That's right. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) I keep forgetting the departure date. We've just got so many trips. Um, But then we we kick off our 2023 itineraries again in April and May for Nepal. But... Really, really excited to relaunch South America again next year in June. And then more Everest Base Camps, Annapurna, Mira Peak, Kilimanjaro, all again next year. For Terrific, mate. Departures. Terrific, so, yeah. yeah. Very excited. So when you talk about South America, I think we're talking about the Salkantai Trek, the Machu Picchu. Yeah, so Salkantai Trek yeah. is very similar to the Inca Trail, which is more, I guess it's more famously known. Yeah. The Inca Trail, I believe, was the Messenger Trail. Um, and the Salkantai Trek is a security trail. Well, National Geographic actually rate the Salkantai Trek as one of the top 15 treks in the world. And I can vouch so, for it. I can yeah. vouch for it. It was very, very good. And that'll be June the June 20th, somewhere around there next year. Yeah, as soon as flights get released, we'll have a day. Now, if anybody listening to this podcast actually wanted to learn more, gitravel.com.au is a website. But if they wanted to phone you directly, your mobile number is? 0419-195-953. So if you are interested in joining myself or Taylor, Jasmine, we haven't told you, is expecting her second child. So I don't think you're going to find Jazz on one of these trips, but can't wait until she's back in a state where we can call upon her wonderful experiences at some stage uh, down the track. But if you are interested, how about you give Taylor a call? Hey guys, we've been going for a fair while on this uh, podcast. <laughs> we're racking up, we're racking up the minutes. So let, let's begin to really summarize. I'm going to give you a question and your mindset right now is to bring it back to the purpose of the podcast. Purpose of the podcast is what task, action, activity, process, right view, could people adopt that would help them to be a more loving human being? Being more loving on a more regular basis? 
a happier human being? How do you actually manufacture sustainable happiness? And how do you therefore bring more meaning to your life? But I want you to respond to that as a question, but through travel. How did the travel experience, now let's elaborate, travel in this podcast is seeking adventure. Travel is embracing different cultures. We don't even have to leave Australia to do that. I pass them every time I walk along the reaches of the Brisbane River. I pass different people of different cultures. Um, it's, it's embracing nature again. So much around us. Jazz, how did those travel adventure cultural enhancement experiences teach you to become a more loving human being? It allowed me to really see that we are all unique and that our perspective of the world around us and ourselves really makes or breaks our experience of life. So when we have the perspective that all is welcome and I don't need you to be any different, which gives yourself the permission that you can be you, there's such power in that for me. Taylor or Jazz, did you find that we actually might have more in common than difference? For me, I definitely saw the similarities and it was all around it was all around we all want to have a beautiful life and how we get there is up to us and everyone's journey is going to be different and that's okay so um but the biggest thing is i felt from everyone is that ultimately it's the connection with nature with each other that really bring out the richness in life and it's the same no matter where you go i don't know why in the back of my head i've got you know, those beautiful people of Tanzania and Kenya, and I've got them coming up to me and giving me a high fives, the cool dudes that they are, and mm. they're saying, you know, they're asking, how are you, bro? It's, yeah. it, 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 it's like they see everyone as their brother and their sister. Is Is that possible in our Western society anyone listening to this would we dare suggest to them that it's okay to look to people as if they're your brother and your sister jazz your show i'm nodding my head because again it's about your perspective for me it's about perspective so when you look at your own little bubble and you make that being right and everything outside of it being wrong, then you're going to see division. It's stepping out of that and opening your mind and opening your perspective to see where actually we all want love and we all want connection and we all want to have a meaningful life. And stepping back and looking at where our similarities are and starting there rather than starting at our differences is how we can sort of bring that connection back and see everyone as our brother or our sister. Rather than starting with our differences. Wow. Start with what we have in common. Start with a feeling of equity and equality rather than elevation and difference. Wow. Wow, wow. Um, Sustainable happiness. I'll take out the word sustainable. 
What did you learn through your travel experiences that now you, you, you do something daily or weekly or monthly that helps you to create a, a more constant happiness and comfort with self? Mine is Kilimanjaro. It in the Salkante Trek. It's every time I, I I struggle with a decision, or if I if I need motivation, or I doubt myself, or I doubt my confidence, or or anything, even my appearance. You know, like we all do sometimes. I often bring myself back to that decision that Jazz was talking about earlier that decision to push forward or stay where you were. And in that moment, I'm proud to say I pushed forward. And it's one of the hardest things you've ever had to do. You do it on any major trek, and I take that with me everywhere I go. Wow. Amazing. Absolutely everywhere I go. Even on Sunday mornings <laughs> where I really don't want to get out of bed, but I know that I need to go for a run. Or I need to take the dog for a walk or something like that. There's little moments. I'm like, well, it's just another decision. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. What are you going to do? Huh. You made a decision to go up. What are you going to do now? Yeah. Yeah. Jazz. Oh, I love that. I love the decision. So I'd love to just say ditto, but I will add something. Um, <laughs> for me, it is a deliberate practice to choose happiness um, until it's not. And... It be, and it just becomes part of who you are. And for me, asking myself the question, what am I making this mean? What did I make ABC mean? And then just checking in, is that actually true? And checking it against the only truth that I personally know and what makes me feel good is there is only love. And anything other than that is just a delusion. And just remembering that in the moment and choosing and making the decision that I'm actually going to choose what love means, what would love look like in this situation allows me to feel that joy and that happiness. But it it requires that inquiry inside and looking at, well, what have we made other things mean? So that our listener, certainly I'm hoping that you don't feel that in this studio there are three people who have got the answers. I can tell you now... <laughs> You heard their laughter, so it shares with you that we don't, but we're great explorers, folks. And and so I want to ask both Taylor and, and Jazz, what therefore in this journey still remains your greatest challenge? Like, like it's okay for us to offer these thoughts, but at the same time, I don't want to paint the picture that, you know, we're, we're sprinting full steam ahead. We're not. Welcome to humanity. So what remains your greatest challenge, Taylor? Yep, yep, I can go. Um, <laughs> my greatest challenge is, is really easy and I think it's really relatable out there. It's, it's losing focus. <laughs> It's um, <laughs> Bernie's laughing. <laughs> it is. It's no. It's not losing focus on on what you're doing, but it's losing focus on your mindset and letting tasks or everyday um, the the grind, I guess, or the wheel that we're running start altering our attitudes towards one another, towards tasks, towards our partners, towards our families, and altering, you know, our 
our real responses to things. Um, you know, in when I'm when I get stressed, just like everyone, you have somewhat more of an of an aggression towards stressful situations. So having learned all this and, you know, having done this podcast today is actually a great reminder to practice that more for myself. Um, and I think that, yeah, that's all it is. It's just, it's maintaining the focus around the positive mindset, what I've done and remembering that daily, you know. I laughed, mate, because the two words that I had in the back of my mind were losing focus. <laughs> That's why I laughed, mate, because I couldn't believe that you, out of all the words you could have chosen, you picked exactly the same oh, that I'm was very, I'm that very was here. So for me, if I if I could um, make a contribution here, I, I'm very proud of the way that I maintain focus, but I'm one of these guys, folks, that's got a, a vision board every time I open up my laptop and it tells me exactly what my life is all about. But make no mistake about it, I can go through um, minutes and hours and say, what? what am I doing this for? Why am I playing this game on my iPhone? Um, this is a waste of time and a waste of energy. There are so many times where I catch myself Self wasting minutes, and between you and I, dear people, that's part of my journey is to value the minutes. But I can only value the minutes if I am totally in touch and aware with two things my focus and my values. Um, the values are the essence of me. Thank you, Ken Packenham, from episode one of this podcast series. You taught me this. But the values are the heart of me. They describe me. And they can change, by the way. They can shift. But when I live 110%, my values on a daily, hourly, momentary basis, I cannot be happier. How many times do I catch myself not doing that? (laughs) And they, that is the challenge and the opportunity. Jazz, you get the opportunity to finish (laughs) this off. Beautiful. Well, I guess my biggest challenge is slipping into my default mode, which is typically, you know, I'm not enough or I need to fix myself. And I think when we're in this space, we can feel like we constantly need to change something about ourselves to be better. And I've really had to learn that, well, I think we said it before, don't start there. Don't start with the problem. Don't start with what's wrong with you. Start with knowing that you're perfect as you are. And for me, having that as just a bit of a mantra for myself to remind myself, I don't need fixing. I'm just changing the expression of myself in this moment. It really shifts how I feel about myself. And it also gives me so much compassion for other people. So I I notice my acceptance of myself is directly proportionate to how I allow others to live the life that they want to live as well. So my biggest challenge is yeah, remembering that I talk about saying I come from a place of wholeness. I It's all okay. It's all welcome. But I'm going to make the decision and choose how I want to express based on what's really important to me. How wonderful, Jazz. 
Hey, folks, we're going to wrap this up now. And, and on your behalf, I hope you've really enjoyed this journey with Bernie. It should be a journey with Taylor and Jasmine today because they've made a, a wonderful contribution. To you, uh, Jasmine Weston, I remember catching up with you on a day two or three of Kilimanjaro and I just tapped you on the shoulder and we started a conversation and I said, Jasmine, I said, what's your secret? How come all the kids on this trip, they like you so much? And folks, I'd like to tell you what she said, what she intimated. She said, Bernie, I've always been a curious person. I've always had great curiosity and the curiosity leads to an understanding or a desire to understand people rather than judge people. And for you who have been listening to this podcast, I have a feeling you may have heard that um, over uh, the minutes of this uh, this podcast time. And as for you, Taylor Pierce, how wonderful it is to have you on board uh, in the way that you 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 offer yourself. I've achieved so many more things even in the space of two to three weeks since Taylor joined Bernie and uh, Global Immersion. And, mate, thank you ever so much for uh, your AV knowledge, your social media knowledge, everything that a 63-year-old wouldn't have a clue about. <laughs> And, mate, I really, really do thank you. So, and thank you, dear listeners, as well, for staying on board. Hope you enjoyed this journey with Bernie and so look forward to uh, hearing from you again. Please offer some feedback. If we've made any references to educational sources, you can look, you can find those in the, uh, the podcast notes. Everything will be there, dear people. And uh, this is Bernie Kelly, A Journey with Bernie, signing out. Cheers, folks. Bye. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Journey with Bernie. I loved it. Of course, the contact and connection details of our special guest and any references to resource material, books or educational sources can be found in the podcast notes. Do go there, folks. Our guests would so welcome hearing from you. Now, for those of you who have previously rung me about joining our forthcoming adventures to Nepal and those glorious Himalayan trekking trails, it's truly great to have you on board. For those of you that are still interested, may I suggest you visit the website of Global Immersion Travel? That's www.gitravel.com.au. Then ring my equally enthusiastic associate, Taylor Pierce on 0419-195-953. That's 0419-195-953. Embrace the journey, dear people. Just embrace the journey and enjoy every minute of it. And just remember... Remember...